Hello, Henrietta. Hi, Jason. Welcome to the conversations with Jason Campbell and Henrietta Galena. Hi. How was your? How is quarantine treating you today? It's literally exactly the same. No, actually, it's not the same since we last spoke. I actually think that I am now settling into the uncertainty and the mundane nature of being in my apartment all day and, you know, not having much to do except for, you know, or or at least shifting my focus, Um, trying to be as productive as possible. But I think I'm settling into the uncertainty where I think I'm maybe just finding a bit more joy, perspective, appreciation in just like the small things and being okay with not having anything to do or feed that feeling of forward motion. Like, I think it's just settling in that this is just the new normal for now. So I'm actually a bit more complacent. Is that the word? Complacent. Yeah. Sure. Sure. Well, um, as for me, I am, I am just kind of quite comfortable. It's concerning me. I'm wondering if I'm <laughs> fully, fully <laughs> conscious, um, like, or have I gone into some, some, some dark place or something where my, my consciousness is not is not fully there, but I gotta tell you, I'm I'm okay. Like the days go by really quickly. I get a fair amount done. I've watched my fair share of Netflix and so forth, and I'm okay. <laughs> I haven't left the threshold of my day of my door in six days, and um, I'm okay. Yeah, it's kind of funny because at first I was like, so much of what I do is linked to my identity and who I am, and I was like literally having this existential crisis as the pandemic was ramping up, and now I. I think we're in full force. I'm like, wait, was I always meant to be unemployed and a stay-at-home mom and just <laughs> watching the day go by out the window and, you know, taking everything as it comes? I think so. Um, it remains to be seen. But yeah, it's interesting how much your mindset can shift within the framework of actually not doing anything. Absolutely. I say embrace it, embrace it. You know, I have... um I have been very much against the kind of grind culture that is our way of life, particularly here in New York and in America. Um, I've been been sort of revolting against that in my in my sort of later career years, and um, I this is right in step with that. I think that we I think that we should appreciate this time of of slowness and of um of of sort of introspection and of being at home. I I have never. Cooked so many meals in my life, um, Henrietta, and I love cooking, but I know everything that's going in my body, and that's been lovely. But we have, <laughs> we will, I'm sure we'll be talking about all the features of uh, quarantine life going forward, but today we are going to talk about marketing. And um, tell us a little bit more, Henrietta, what, how we're going to attack this marketing discussion today. <clears throat> um, I guess it's just from our conversations that we've been sort of focused on this week talking about what we're observing and what we're seeing and who's doing it right and who's maybe not doing it right so much um and just like what is the role of marketing I guess during this pandemic I think no one knows the right answer I think it's a lot of trial and error um a lot of observation so that's essentially what we're going to be trying to break down like what is the role of marketing like how do you do that Right. And, you know, I think to 
to address this marketing subject, we have to address how the culture of consumption will change. And and does marketing, yes, obviously not every single company on the planet is, is inactive um, and, and just stands still right now. No, there's still some businesses taking place. And, and even for the companies who may not have their storefront open uh, and so forth, they may still be doing business. They still have to be speaking, you know, with their with their their staff about how they're going to uh, re-enter the marketplace and so on and, and, and so forth. But if there is no, if there essentially not that much activities going on. Do you think that we can really market effectively in this time? And sh- or should we? I think it depends on what you mean by marketing as well in that perspective. Because, I mean, on one hand, you have to keep your business operational and functional in any ways that you can. I just don't think you could do that by any means necessary anymore. I think you would be remiss to not try to navigate this in as kind of cautious and sensitive and culturally aware way as possible. I don't, I just think it maybe doesn't look the same, but the idea that you wouldn't do it, I think is a tough one because I think everyone's trying to keep the lights on at the moment. And like, we're just navigating it in real time in a way that we haven't really seen that even in the crash of 2008 or a recession prior to that. There's generally a rule of thumb or some kind of formula or historical context or historical data that allows you to navigate uh, something like a recession or some such economic crisis or economic challenge. Whereas here, it's it's a global pandemic that is on an unprecedented scale within sort of our lifetime anyway. So I think everyone's just feeling their way through it. And I think it speaks volumes to a number of things like the health of your business before this pandemic, uh, leadership, we've seen both politically and within the industry that this is most certainly exacerbated bad leadership. And I think shined a light on brands that are all of the things that you have to be to navigate this correctly, which is culturally attuned, you know, running on empathy, uh, creative, nimble, and all of those sorts of things. So yeah, there's no one rule. So I, I, it's like a very layered discussion, which is kind of, I guess, yes. what we're going to break down. And it's, it's definitely a layered discussion. And I sometimes, I'm sometimes a little doomsday. I, that's that's self-confessed. And so I, I'm looking at the consumer pessimism side. I'm looking at when consumers are literally forced in their homes, living in fear, not necessarily knowing where their next uh, their next check is going to come from. Is this the time to essentially try to profit from <laughs> from like scared consumers? And is is their pessimism and is their fear does that not take over this the 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 sentiment in the industry right now? Like I feel that that pessimism and that fear is just so great that yeah, when we're able to get out of our leave our homes and when you know the stores may be open again, a we're going to be very hesitant to go into that store if there's more than one other person in there. And never mind that our bank accounts would have taken such a significant hit, even in that two month period um, that we would have uh, sort of been inactive. Is that the time where we're going to leave our homes and try to pick up the latest sweatshirt or 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 the latest trainer that 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 is dropped by whatever brand? 
And is that the responsible thing to do to try to market to them, to try to profit from, from people in this, in, this, in this sort of depressed state? And I'm asking myself the same question. Yeah. This is not exposing to you. You know, this is a part of, of my own sort of, you know, internal dialogue as well as someone who advises brands and, 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 and stays to the minute on where the consumer um, uh, mindset is. Yeah, that, and that's, those are all fair questions. And I think questions that people are asking themselves internally. I wouldn't necessarily describe it, though, as consumer pessimism. Because, again, like a economic crash or recession, it's not that people are pessimistic. I think people, and, and I think this is the challenging thing, people are just not checking for it. Literally, people are wondering, how do they file for unemployment? Can you file for unemployment if you're a freelancer or if you're self-employed? What does that mean? You know, how do you get on Cobra or is there a cheaper alternative? Because Cobra is really expensive. Can you defer your rent, your mortgage payment, your credit card payments? So people genuinely, I think it's not even like a pessimism or any kind of ill thinking towards consumerism or retail or fashion or luxury. I think it's literally being overlooked. And I think that's the challenge of what does an industry do when people are really looking at, at what you do, what you're selling, what you're producing as the ultimate sort of superfluous purchase, you know, the ultimate luxury. And I think that's really the challenge that fashion is facing versus th- this kind of idea of pessimism, because I think you can navigate pessimism in a way that's easier than kind of an, an indifference. Do you know what I mean? Um, yes, and maybe pessimism. Maybe pessimism is not the um, the accurate word. It's consumer insecurity, um, the uncertain uh, the uncertainty uh, consider um, uh, surrounding consumption. More more the confidence is sort of the opposite, or at least a different different than consumer um, consumer confidence, uh, which I would say that we we don't have right now. But Henrietta, you were talking about leadership before, and I think this is a this is a really important um, uh, feature in this conversation. You know, speaking about leaders right now, yes, I think it it calls for dynamic, um, uh, strong, secure leadership. But can can I even ask that of our of the leaders and the, the leaders? We're talking about store owners. We're talking about you know heads of showrooms and and brands and all this sort of thing. Can I even um, ask strong leadership during this time when there may not be literally any money in the account to be considerate of your staff after this, you know, one month closed, uh, shutdown and so forth. I mean, can you kind of like hold your sense of self, your hold, your sense of leadership in this age when it's like, frankly, a shit show? That I, I, and, and you and I are big on strong leaders and then making, you know, considered smart decision, even in the time of crisis. But I'm wondering if, if that's even too much to ask in this shit show time that we're living in. I think in this uh, pandemic, it, again, it's like nothing we've ever seen. And I think that a lot of leadership was basically set up under the pretense that it's about a booming economy versus a not booming economy. But there was always venture capital money, that whole D2C landscape. There was more money than than sense in cases. And I think now the the attributes that you need to be a good leader um, are so different and almost counter to what they were pre-corona. Like I've been talking to a lot of friends who have been furloughed or uh, laid off or uh, in just very precarious working situations. 
And it's just really interesting, certain attributes and qualities that actually really served well for a lot of DTC companies and venture back companies and all of these very like super capitalist ideals of, of companies and, and company leaders and how that is just not really what is appreciated. And, you know, in terms of uh, leaders that are really thinking about the bottom line in silos and not necessarily connecting the dots appropriately or in real time or being agile enough to figure out how to make smart moves. And it's really interesting because we sort of spoke last time about how in terms of trimming the fat, it's a lot of creatives that are being cut first. It's a lot of creative budgets that are being cut first. But what's interesting is, you know, I I would always say to you and my friends, I'm always like, there's a reason why us creatives aren't the ones that that are the CEOs, because we lead with culture and all those things that feel very counter to consumerism, capitalism and, and, and business. But actually, I think that's exactly what the climate calls for right now, because it really is about figuring out these real-time, quick-step, dynamic strategies that lead with exactly that creativity, culture, um, empathy, uh, psychology, and all of these kind of more sort of soft, less tangible skill sets. But what about money, Henrietta? Doesn't all of the all of what you just mentioned, all of that is is is, is really money? Money is needed to cover all of that. Um, and in this time, as I said, if you don't have the if you don't have the cash flow, can you respond accordingly with 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 these kind of tenets? It seems a tall order in this time. Well, no, I'm not talking about production of the. I'm not talking about production because obviously no, we're no, all no, quarantined. I, I know you're not necessarily talking about production. Even just even just a, a, a function of communication. Even just like you know being organized and um and to be able to communicate to your staff in a very informed and confident way, even that function, I think, may not, may not soar in this time. Um, but I, I guess I'm struggling to answer that question because to, the way I see it is there's like a, a right way and a wrong way, but the point is that you're doing it in some way. So it's, it's, okay. it's a nuance of, or if your skill sets like, you know, on a really basic level, if you're one of these kind of traditional sort of CEO archetypes who are very much focused on a very specific and narrow business lens, I don't see how that's super helpful when you kind of read the temperature of today. Like when you talk about, um, you know, responsible to market and try to profit when people are trying to pay their rent. I mean, if on a really basic level, you don't think about those types of themes because you don't think they're applicable or you're looking at your bottom line just from a numbers perspective and not from these other angles, you're moving forward, you're attempting to move forward, you're just maybe potentially doing it in a way that's tone deaf or a way that isn't going to get that mind share or in a way that people aren't going to open their emails or in a way that aren't going to drive traffic to your website. So it's like you you always say you do, you do, you do. But the I, the challenge and the um and the task here is how are you doing, right? Because like I said, there's a wrong way and then there's a right way. I mean, we've seen everything from brands literally be like, you know, there's never been a better time to buy our this set. And you're just like, really? <laughs> like, really? But then you also have brands that are using whatever means they have to give back and to ask questions and to help get us out of this pandemic by providing PPE, masks, ventilators, support for other communities so that we can get out of this faster. And that will provide goodwill in order for you to make money on the back end. Because like I've said many times, 
it's not really just about hunkering down and getting through the pandemic. It's also about getting through the next, what, 12 to 18 months when people are really cautious about how they're spending their money. So it's really... Yeah, it's definitely yeah, it's playing, the, the, it's playing, it's playing the long game. So I think if you are yes. a smart business leader who is attuned to culture and what is actually going on in real people's lives and thinking of creative ways to tell stories, to talk about products, but to also talk about what's going on, et cetera, et cetera, that's what I would consider being more of a creative or brand or um, kind of empathy culture-led strategy versus just thinking about hunkering down this week to pay bills and rent next week, which might mitigate what you could make next month because you've already turned people off. Right. But but do you see the sophistication with which you speak about this? You know, we we work on the front lines of this. We understand this. And yeah, you would, you know, one would venture to say that if you're doing business, that this is a part of doing business, understanding those features of um of doing modern business. And for example, you also mentioned a lot um a lot of like your digital, your digital knowledge, that part of strong leadership now is having a strong sense of the digital landscape and more than ever being able to make sound, strong decisions in this climate surrounding, you know, shoring up your digital strategy. Um, and and you, everything goes back to brand to brand trust during this time. And if you're not, if they're not able to see you physically, you're not able to engage with your your audience physically. Virtually is the is is what you're left with. And if you are slow to the uptake in, in the virtual space, it's going to be problematic for you now, and you may be behind the curve. But can those players, can those brands that were not as adept at their digital strategy, can they work quickly in this climate to still save their businesses or or or, or and so again forth. that really comes down to brand leadership. It doesn't even come down to who's in those teams because the buck stops with the leaders. I mean my whole thing is branding and relevancy matters and it's something that I personally have struggled with my entire career because it always seemed like this blue sky idealist ideal of thinking. Um, because it's not tangible. It doesn't, it doesn't map back directly to sales or to uh, the metrics like traffic to sites, social growth, click-throughs, uh, P&L, whatever. Um, but I mean, it, that's really the only thing I think that's going to help brands and companies survive. I mean, it's really never been a better time to be an Apple or a Nike or a brand that has not only brand relevancy and that kind of brand name recognition because if no one was checking for you in a booming economy I don't see how you have the tools and the energy to to get those people to care now so that's what I'm saying if you were really a smart brand leader and really crafting a brand a brand narrative a brand identity and all of those things that seem really superfluous if you actually really had doubled down on those approaches um that will fare well as you move forward. I mean, even brands like the Pradas and all of those brands that we talk about, how are they relevant today? What's really interesting is like, we even had that conversation about Prada, like it's such an institutional brand, but when it comes to cultural relevancy, do they have it? But they have been making moves during this pandemic that suggests actually, yeah, they are really actually becoming increasingly relevant because of the way that they're navigating. So I do think that uh, a lot of those intangible kind of creative things that we talk about that, that, like you said, does that map track back to money and what does that mean for the bottom line? Well, you would 
be remiss as a brand leader to not be thinking about those things because right now I think brand values and branding is really probably the only thing that you're trading on because even when it comes to selling loungewear or sweatpants or whatever I mean look at Hanes and their uptick in sales eight dollars for a sweatsuit like and you're done you know so I think that you you really need to think about these things that make you different that make you stand out that make you valuable in the minds of your consumer especially when now what is there to sell like things to be comfortable at home in well, like speaking to that, speaking to that brand narrative, um, we've we've spoken about it. We spoke about it in our last um, in our last episode about some of the brands that have faulted in this time about their messaging. And since then, I have read about some influencers who have really gotten a drumming from from their from their community because of the the sort of like uh, tone deafness in that they have approached their their marketing their marketing in this time. Did you read that? Did you read? that story oh, about that God. <laughs> I firstly I, I, I we have to recount the we have to recount the story. Um and please I go ahead and do so if you care to. <laughs> Well, essentially, essentially, this is an influencer who probably was not um, aware of her privilege or certainly how her privilege would be viewed. Uh, she documented her her story of um, of getting a a corona uh, COVID nineteen test from a doctor friend at a time when no one was really able to get that test. And again, her access and her privilege allowed her to get that test. She subsequently found out that she was um, positive, and then she decamped to to the Hamptons with her husband and her children and her nanny and she is uh, recounting all of this every step along the way and as a result her audience was incredibly offended A, that she was able to get the test B, that she's leaving you know, there's a stay-at-home order and she's leaving her home and going to another community possibly uh, contaminating them Three, she also had her nanny who was along with her sort of everything during this period was... It's offended offended her audience, and subsequently she got a, an incredible blowback um, from her from her recount of her experience with uh, getting COVID nineteen, and subsequently relocating, and really seemed to have impacted her brand. Apparently, Nordstrom was one of her was one of her sponsors who um, who ended their ended their agreement and so forth. So there were there were repercussions, and 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 we we spoke about uh, Adidas in our last episode about how they approached their layoffs and so forth. So in this time, and as you know, we had been leaving, leading up to a, a time of more conscientious, conscious consumption, and we were looking at brands about you know their values and if it was in 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 line with our own and whether we would patronize and so forth. There was a lot. There was a lot going on, and I think in this time, those values, at least from the examples that we've seen thus far, are still are still holding. So, so the messaging, the messaging is is so important now, as we know, because of the Yeah, I think, but I do think that brands and companies and influencers are in separate camps. I think that with um, the Something Navy Girl that you just spoke about, I mean, it was literally what not to do in the <laughs> during the pandemic, if you're an influencer, which is like unwittingly uh, an ignorant privilege um, and wealth um, I think she got a test within a few hours of even thinking she had symptoms or something. She like didn't think she had it, and then uh, she spoke to someone and got a test immediately. Um, complained while being tested, um, 
Oh, tested positive. Continued to like hold her kids close. The nanny was there, but the nanny has her own kids. So everyone was like, this is, you know, there were like racial implications there. There was a level of privilege. And then just, I'm just going to decamp to my place in the Hamptons when Governor Cuomo was clearly like, please don't leave. There are cases popping up in Long Island, in New Jersey, in Connecticut, in Florida, in these other parts of, of the country and the state where people are sort of decamping to stay at home, which also just people have commented her home was significantly larger than most of the you know holes that we're all trapped in so the idea that she even needed to leave just felt felt very uh, uh in privilege and I think that increasingly um you know watching the news reading the news um this has definitely widened the gap between the haves and the have-nots African-Americans are disproportionately impacted during this pandemic but yet the face of it is still very white um, in terms of how it's being reported and all of the sort of sets of circumstances that impact minorities that make them at higher risk whether it's you know being in service jobs or you know um, having to work shifts or needing money not having health insurance and all of these things I think are really coming to light which makes her handling of the situation her documentation of the situation even more tone deaf and then her apology which I don't know, but particularly during this situation, the way that she handled it, the whole thing was really like a what not to do um, in a way that will definitely impact her business. But I think one of my questions when it comes to influencer culture is beyond the fact that you're um, really putting yourself out there at a time when maybe you should maybe not or like figure out a strategic way to do that, what are we looking to influencers for during this time? Because I know a lot of influencers outside of this have been called out for trying to sell products in quite a prescriptive way. I imagine brands are like, listen, you know, brands are turning off their affiliates. They're not paying influencers as much. So I imagine that those that are investing in influencer uh, marketing are like, you are going to sell this shoe. You are going to use this hashtag. You are going to talk about all the attributes to the shoe and you are going to lead to the website of where you could buy that shoe. And <laughs> I'm sure they're literally like dangling that carrot, like that's the only way you're getting paid. So it's also like, I don't know, if they're also trying to get paid, I feel like there's much more of a personal element to it where it's like they're trying to do the best maybe in this climate where work has also dried up. So I don't know that I'm holding influencers as accountable as I am with companies that are legit just like well, letting go of staff with no severance, treating them like shit, the people that are in the company and almost like placing that condition of you will do, otherwise you're not going to have your job. Like, I think there is more onus on holding brands accountable than influencers. I don't, I don't, I can't say I care so much about the something Navy other than she's been irresponsible. Well, it's, not a, it's not a matter of caring. It's now uh, a subset in this industry and quite an important one and they're so tied into brands now obviously we discuss it so much in this forum they're so tied into brands now and and some of them do move the needle so i i we can't we can't ignore the influencer we can't not ignore the influencer bucket in fact i think it's probably one of the most visible one of the most visible lanes in the fashion industry right now as to the you know the roi on that lane that's that that those numbers are still out there but i think is very important and never mind 
one of the most topical things in fashion. So I I want to understand how they are impacting the current economy and will impact the near term and how they are impacted. So I actually would suggest that we circle back to this and make this uh and make this as an episode because I I, I do think is worthy. But you know what I what I want to talk about now, Henrietta, is like where 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 does one win? Where does one win in this marketing and branding strategy? Um, you know, surrounding this recovery uh, post crisis. You know, like I was thinking about the personal personalization services that's going to emerge from this. The digital ones, for sure. There's a list of digital ones that will come out of this. A lot of personal personalization services. You know, from like live stream, live stream commerce, and all these sort of terms that are now coming to the coming into the to the you know like i i find that i find that to be interesting and again if we're going to go back to the conversation on leadership I, some of these terminologies i'm just sort of ramping up on so how are they to to say you know have um live stream commerce at the tip of their tongue right now and never mind just having it at the tip of their tongue be ready to execute on that if that if that is a, a if that is a strategy for their business so i think we should talk about where do we think in the areas that uh, a brand or a company is 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 going to be able to win i don't know the answer to that fully i i think for me the number one approach which like you have said, uh, kind of called me out on a few times um, when we've been having our conversations. I think the number one approach is, um, or to me actually, I guess, is um, adding as much value as you can. Because I think that what I think it's really about playing the long game. Because I cannot stress enough the focus on trying to make it through this pandemic is literally like. 20% of the battle. I think that 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 the aftermath is going to be so insane unless there is some real significant government action like another stimulus package because on a really basic level I mean so many companies are going to go bankrupt, go out of business, downsize that the the economic and the and the unemployment numbers are going to be so huge that you have to think about is anyone going to be shopping? Most people will either be out of work or somehow financially recovering from this pandemic. So then you have to get through this whole, like, how do we sell in an age where no one's really buying, especially in a sector that, again, feels very superfluous. Um, so I think that where you can add value to build goodwill for when people are beginning to open up their wallets they'll they'll think about you or they'll they'll want to pay it forward in some way I think that brands some brands are coming across as tone deaf I think some brands are also you can see the the struggle or the desperation like you you talk about the uh, Instagram lives and all the streaming and things like that sometimes you just don't have that much to say and maybe that's okay maybe you just want to add value when you have something to say so maybe it's not like 10 empty emails every day and a daily live stream of a no-name influencer doing a dj set for no apparent reason and maybe you actually do want to provide value because i think during this pandemic i think there's also like almost a lot of over communication so i think things just feel very saturated the idea that we're all at home with nothing to do while that's very very true I think you can see a lot of the quality of like messaging, of content, of branding, of everything just go down the toilet because they're just like, it doesn't matter. We just need to be online. And I, I don't necessarily think that that's a truth, especially when people actually have 
valuable content like news and and all of that stuff to digest, which while I know a lot of brands are thinking the solution is potentially something that is um, has more levity or can be a nice distraction to that, I think they should also be mindful about what the value is because I know that I'm being very conscious about what I'm feeding my brain because obviously in this time of anxiety and boredom and this kind of cocktail of of weirdness um those things can kind of push you over the edge so well I don't well, know if that you know, all answers any I'm of your question but yeah my only answer is just value <laughs> uh, in whatever form that looks like for your company well, I am mindful that possibly 80% of stores and brands may be in may have problems after a two month. That's that's the the soundbite that's being bandied about now that may be in serious, serious trouble um after two months of uh inactivity in business. So if 80%, I I've I've digested all that we've been, been discussing here. But um, if 80% of businesses uh, are going to have a problem, I wonder if they're going to be able to operationally execute in the ways that, you know, at least in the positive ways we have we have determined in this conversation. Uh, I, I don't know. I don't know. I have a feeling it's going to be a lot more chaotic. And, you know, that steely, that steely entrepreneur, that steely business owner who's able to sort of like, you know, <laughs> like sort of carve their way through this. I think that's just going to take an incredible resolve and um, and some some money. I mean, so. in terms of like the ways to navigate, um, I think a lot remains to be seen. But I do, I really do think about um, the idea of branding and content and investment and and all of that stuff. Like, I wonder what that looks like because it seems that like it seems to me, in lieu of telling product stories that sell the idea of adding value and investing in uh, more content, more stories, uh, content platforms, all of that stuff seems to make sense. But then to your question, how is that possible if the money from product sales just isn't there? Um, And and potentially if the product isn't even there, I mean, we're hearing a lot of stories and reading a lot of stories about brands like Gap who are just shutting down production because they have no means to sell them or yes. no money and to for the upfront payments of them. And what does that mean to the supply chain? What does that mean to all of these things? So I think, yeah. Exactly. And remember, remember, they are a brand that can stay to, you know, that can pay to stay in consumer consciousness. That's a, that's a very grand example of a brand that's able to do that. What about so many other brands that falls beneath that? I mean, are they, can they pay to stay in the consumer consciousness during this time? It seems, it seems impossible. Right, but then it's like a double-edged sword because while they could probably afford to stay in the consumer consciousness, I don't know that they have anything to say necessarily that the consumers want to hear because a big part of their demise has been brand Mm -hmm. relevancy. So it's one of those things where I think, again, it's like the strength of your brand versus the strength of, of, I don't know, your business or investment or or whatever. But I think the common theme is that no one is going to be unscathed by this. And so... um, I don't know. I just, I, and I don't know if it's just a bias because of my vantage point and my discipline, but I really do think that just um, erring on the side of creativity and storytelling and value adding is really 
a good path forward. But to your point, I don't know the brands that are going to really be able to afford to make those kinds of decisions. And we we led with a question. And you know what, Henrietta? I think it's okay to 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 end with with a question, um, or at least or at least with a with in doubt, because we 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 don't have any any concrete answers to this. Um, but I think it was a worthwhile conversation. Yeah, and I think to the point of leadership, I think one of the things that I have been really stunned about is is hearing about how many people that I know in fashion feel like their companies are run. Um, with kind of less than ideal leaders leaders, um, and what future companies actually will stand for and what they will value. I wonder how that will shift in terms of who is going to start taking the helms of these companies and how all of that is going to be accelerated to lead with more like empathy and exactly. And not just about exactly. the bottom line. Um, so I think that will be quite an exciting shift to see you know before it was about like brawn and 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 kind of ruling with an iron fist and then it really became about intelligence and leading with this whole tech d2c entrepreneurial spirit and then it's going to kind of move to it seems like the shift should be to move to lead with more sort of heart where you're leading with uh, value and culture and empathy and how can we add value and not just make money and I think that the, there's going to be that shift in business leadership, just like you see that shift in terms of like the old guard and new guard uh, way of doing things, because I think that's the only way that businesses of the future are going to survive and, and be able to navigate what people are currently caring about. That's just my two cents. And I, again, I think that that is a, that's a heady, that's a heady conversation that deserves its own, its own focus in this podcast. So hopefully we can, um, we can attack that leadership issue. Um, in one of the issues to, yep. in one of the episodes to come and on that note Henrietta the next time thank you bye, bye. Uh, it's my time for some-